0: All right, if you could get out your Bibles or turn to your Bible app, I'm pro, read along with me. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the... against the stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. Thanks, Richie. All righty. Well, good morning, and thank you guys for showing up to church on this cool summer morning. Uh, I saw it at 114, so I'm just saying we're at 96 right now, and the high is 110, so we're doing all right. Uh Well, most of you guys know, as you've been following along this summer, we've been in a series entitled Good Ground, and we've been walking through the different fruit of the spirit. And um, when Jared asked me to preach, there was kind of two uh, fruit that stuck out to me, the one that I feel like, you know, I got all figured out, I mastered it, you know, the one that I'm, I don't need any help with, you know, like, we all got that one, you know. Okay, maybe not, but the one I felt like was, I, I feel like I have a little bit more of that than maybe some of the others was faithfulness. Um, But we're not talking about that today, (laughs) I wish we were, but today we're going to walk through what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit lead us in the fruit of self-control. So it's interesting when you look at all the fruit of the Spirit, um, we typically like to think of them as, you know, individual pieces of fruit. But I think a more appropriate and accurate way to look at them would be different pieces of God's overall character. So the character of God is really what we're after in our lives, right? It's his love and his joy and peace and his patience and kindness and goodness and his faithfulness over our lives and our self-control, right? So sometimes we think, you know, we master one and then we go and move on to the next one and then we get that one right and then we go and move on to the next one. But really I think it's kind of a whole package type of deal. You can't really have faithfulness without some self-control, right? And you can't have true self-control if you don't exercise some sort of faithfulness or love or patience and so on. You guys kind of get the point, right? It's a whole package type of deal. So I think this kind of just helps us better understand uh, the fruit of the Spirit when we're talking about it uh, today and throughout the rest of our Series here. So before we get started, I kind of want to give you guys a biblical definition of self-control that I think will help kind of guide us as we're trying to learn about this this morning. Uh, You'll see it up on the screens. Biblical self-control is surrendering our thoughts, feelings, and actions to the Father in all seasons, especially during times of trial and temptation. We'll see this as we look at the life of Jesus. It's this idea that we don't really actually need to control anything. Right? Like, that's not the goal. The goal is to surrender to the one who has all the control to begin with. And so self-control is also not just not doing the things we're not supposed to do. It's also living into the stuff that God has called us to do. That's important. It's two things. Right? It's not doing those things and it's living into what it is that God has called us to do. See, the true mark of a Christian is not just refraining from the things of the world. That's a good thing. That's an honorable thing. It's a noble thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. We don't live in the world, right? We're not of the world. But a true mark of a Christian is faithfully following after Jesus, right? Like that's the goal. That's the, that's the mark that we're trying to attain. So um, don't forget that as we're going through this. Uh, a great example that I kind of came to as I was talking with Jared about this is uh, this idea of marriage that a lot of us find ourselves in. Uh, when I said yes to Rachel... I was inadvertently, without even saying anything out of my mouth, saying no to millions of other people, right? I chose her. So the interesting thing is if I spent all my time walking out my marriage and focusing on just saying no to all the other people that I inadvertently said no to, never giving my wife any attention, never caring for her, never loving her, showing her any affection... Well, I think that would be cause for a pretty miserable marriage. Like, (laughs) That would probably suck and it would probably end pretty fast. So the thing that I want to try to do is serve her as my wife and love her and show her affection and focus on her, the woman that God gave me to focus on, and do this life with her. And then... In turn, I also refrain from doing the stuff that I don't want to do, right? So it's a win-win. I focus on the thing God's given me, and the other kind of just takes care of itself, right? So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. I think this helps change our concept of this idea of the fruit of self-control. So think of that as we're going along. So in the passages that my beautiful wife read this morning, we see it's the Holy Spirit that actually leads Jesus into the wilderness, right? I don't know if you guys caught that. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And not just led him into the wilderness, but led him into the wilderness to be tempted, right? I know we don't like to talk about that and how God operates sometimes. It gets a little funky for some of our theology, you know. And you really think God's gonna? Yes, He is. He's gonna send you these seasons of wilderness places and moments in your life. And what these do is they help sharpen and hone in and help us focus on the things that God wants us to do to put him back in the proper place in our lives. We see this all throughout scripture, this wilderness type of moment or season in people's lives. We see it in Noah and the ark. We see it in Abraham and Elijah and the whole Israelite nation, right? They're wandering for 40 years trying to figure out what it is that God wants them to be doing. So if we want God to be producing mature fruit in our lives, we should be expecting these types of seasons to take place, right? We're not, there's, there's no getting around it. This is how he operates. This is how he does his work in us. So this is just, this is just the way he set it up. So get used to it and, and actually don't worry about it. Like this is a good thing. And it's not even just a good thing. Some may say it's even a God thing. Like these are the types of areas and places and spaces he'll use in our lives to get us back on track with him and get us to understand a little bit more of who he is. So I think it's important that we remember that because sometimes we don't like to talk about the, the rough things of life or the struggles that, that take place. So as we continue on in this passage, we'll see verse 3 through 11 that the devil twists the father's words Three different times when he's trying to tempt Jesus. He he just comes in and he just tweaks it just enough. Isn't that like the enemy, right? He comes in and he just enough, shares a little bit, but not the whole truth and messes it up. He comes in and he tries to make God out to be a liar, right? He tries to get us to start batting for his team. But we see Jesus here. He doesn't want anything to do with that. And we'll see as we carry on. I want to use this uh, verse in 1 John uh chapter 2, that I think it will help us kind of set up the three areas that the devil tempts Jesus in. So in 1 John chapter 2, it says in verse 16, for all that the world, that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, these three things, they're not super cut and dry. They do bleed over and, and kind of ebb and flow into each other but i do think they help us to kind of get a better understanding and grasp what it is that the devil's doing here when he's tempting jesus in these three different areas so we'll see it here in matthew play out the first one is the desires of the flesh or the things that we think our physical body needs right here in matthew chapter 4 the devil tries to get jesus to use his gifts for his own selfish gain but jesus knows better he understands what's going on and If you're part of the kingdom of God, it's important to understand that we should be using all of our gifts to serve other people, right? We should be using this fruit that God is giving us in our lives to serve others. And not always to give in to what it is that we want to do all the time, right? We should be living into what God has for us to do. This is exactly what we see Jesus doing here. Jesus knows who his father is. And he doesn't need to prove it to anybody and he definitely doesn't need to prove it to the enemy right here. He's quick to quote his father's words. That's why I think it's so important that we are constantly remembering it's, uh, it's, it's a must in our lives to fall in love with God's word. We have to, we have to know that in our lives. It's super important here. The, it's our sword and it's our weapon. And here we see it's what Jesus uses to say no to the enemy. Jesus says no to satisfying his physical hunger. And he says yes to the father's way. Which in this moment for him was fasting, and it was also praying and being with the Father in right relationship. For us, this could look like maybe saying no to food or the midnight snack. I don't know about you guys, but the midnight snack always gets me. I just and the ten o'clock snack before I get into bed, probably the eight o'clock too. But and you know it's just it's just something I got to work on. And it could look like in our lives saying yes to more time with God. And maybe working out once or twice a week. That wouldn't that wouldn't hurt anything. It could be saying no to sexual immorality, right? And saying yes to loving our spouses and loving other good and godly people in our lives. It might be saying no to gossip or talking about people behind their backs or cussing or using our words for self-serving things or producing negativity in our lives to those around us, right? Like I know... I'm probably the only one that has that issue, right, you know, saying things behind people's back or talking or gossiping or cussing a little bit when Mark's beating me at pickleball. Um, that happens from time to time. Uh, I love you, Marky. Uh, I know, you know, this is easier said than done, but it's, it's what we need to be focusing on. could also look like just, you know, in this vein of our words, speaking uplifting and encouraging words and words of blessing in people's lives, right? Like this is what we're after. We're after the things of God, not after just not doing what we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to be speaking blessing and we're supposed to be speaking uplifting words into people's lives. So let's see if we can focus on that a little bit more. The second way that we see the devil tempt Jesus is with the desires of the eyes, which is the stuff that we want or we think we need because it somehow makes us feel good or look good. This is where it kind of gets wild here with Jesus and the devil. Jesus just got done quoting his father's word, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In the first temptation. And what does the devil do in the very next temptation that he brings to Jesus? He quotes his father's word. Isn't that crazy? Like, the very next thing. But Jesus, you know, being Jesus, he says, yeah, no, 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 nice try. I get it. You may quote my father's word, but you're taking it out of context. You don't get to test my dad. This is not how it works. You don't get to operate that way in God's kingdom. Nice try. This is another reason why we got to know our word, right? Like taking things out of context sometimes can really mess things up. So we got to be make sure that we're standing firm on this. The enemy will come in and he'll try to entice us with these half truths and get us just off course, just enough to try to agree with him. To be honest... I don't know if I'm the only one here on this side of things, but I don't even need the devil's help sometimes to twist scripture to say what I want it to say and then I can go do whatever it is that I want to do. I don't need his help to do that sometimes. It's uh, pretty wild how that works. Um, It's a dangerous game that we're playing if we think that we can get away with stuff like this in the kingdom of God. And that's why I think it's so like telling why Jesus stands firm right here on this. Jesus says no to testing his father, and he says yes to trusting that the plan set before him for his life was the best plan from his father. For us today, this might mean that we need to stop comparing our lives to other people's lives. Can I get amen on that one? Like, right? Social media, all the stuff that other people have. And maybe we just need to start being thankful for the life that God's given us, right? I guarantee you it's better than you think it is. (laughs) I guarantee you it's better than you think it is. It might mean saying no to striving and overworking and doing more and saying yes to simply being who God made you to be. We need more people that are being who God made them to be. It's a good thing. It's a, it's a right thing. It's a God thing. Sometimes we work way too hard and we try to take matters into our own hands. We just need to stop doing that. We need to let God do his thing in our lives. It works. It works. For others this morning, you might need to stop lusting after the things of this world and start simply being thankful for what it is God's given you in your life. The clothes, the cars, the shoes, all the stuff. You're trying to impress the wrong people. You're trying to fill that internal void with the wrong stuff. It doesn't work. We live to let the Holy Spirit do a good work in our lives. That's the goal. So you'll see this uh, final temptation play out. It's where Jesus is tempted with the pride of life or the idea that we can control any facet of our lives. The enemy tries to entice Jesus into believing that he's in charge. But Jesus knows that he was created to worship his father and to worship him alone. Here we see Jesus standing firm on God's promised purpose for his life. And we all have a promised purpose for our life in the kingdom of God. We see here Jesus says no to the fake promise of power that the devil offers him in the moment. And he says yes to the true power that is found with his father in heaven. He stays the course. He knows what his purpose is in life. He's understood what it is that his father has called us to do or has called him to do. Some of us for in our lives, this may look like in areas where we struggle, speaking And lying and cheating and hiding. Things that we really need to focus on getting rid of in our lives. And we need to start letting the light bring those things up and bring those things out and start walking in a little more integrity when no one's around. We need to start saying no to selfishness and doing whatever it is that we wanna do all the time. I've been there. And we need to start saying yes to service. I mean, this is literally what we see Jesus doing and saying about his own life. Like, the whole point of why he was sent was to serve. So take that into consideration. Maybe we just need to give up overall control or this false illusion that we have any control to begin with, right? I, know, I don't know about you guys, but the, the cat's out of the bag. We don't have any control. We're surrendering it to the Lord. So maybe we just need to do that a little bit more and trust the Father that his plan is perfect for your life. It's against these types of things that we're looking to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us when it comes to this idea of self control. We both want to stop doing the things that we know we shouldn't be doing and start doing the things that God has called us to do. Does that make sense? I think it was junior high sometime where I first began my struggle with lust and pornography. I remember knowing what I was doing was wrong, and that I should definitely shouldn't be doing it. But I didn't really know what to do, where to turn, and I certainly wasn't going to talk to anybody about it. So that was out; that was off the table. So that kind of carried over into high school, and I remember the moment pretty vividly, where I came to my mom and my dad, and I asked them, "Hey, like, can you help me with this? I have this issue going on." You know, I knew they cared for me, I knew they loved me, and I knew they prayed for me, but nothing really came of it. I mean, they are just doing the best they could, and they were trying to walk life out with me, and they prayed for me and said, you know, yeah, buddy, you can talk to us about anything, whenever, wherever, and yeah, just kind of kept going on with my life, didn't really ever bring it up again. And so as I carried on, I found myself in college, and it's still being a huge struggle, like the biggest struggle in my life at the time. There would be moments, you know, I went to a Bible uh, Christian college, and there would be moments where we'd be in some sort of prayer session or uh, discipleship type atmosphere, and I remember being huddled with groups of guys from time to time, and we'd kind of air out our dirty laundry and talk to each other about our struggles and the things that we had going on, and uh, it was cool, and and, you know, we had a heart-to-heart, and then we'd pray for each other, and then things just kind of fell back into place, and I found myself crawling back to what it is that I had always done and just continuing on with the habits and the, the patterns that have messed me up for so long. I ended up going to Bible college, and in Bible college, there was a couple pastors that I really had in my life that would disciple me, and, you know, I told them about my struggles, and we would talk about it, and they would pray for me, and maybe we'd set up a couple parameters around my life to maybe try to help maneuver me in the right direction for a season, and it worked for a time, but eventually things just kind of fell apart, and I, again, ended up crawling right back to where I came from. I just had this, like, internal thing going on, and I never really walked it out any further than that. That's about as far as it went. I remember when Rachel and I got together, and we were engaged to be married, and I told her about my struggle, and, um, you know, she would love me the way that she does, and check in on me from time to time, and um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I got pretty good at lying to her about it all, too, and kind of brushing it under the rug, and, you know, didn't up front tell her the full truth either. So uh, she only knew about half of what was going on to begin with. So that, you know, worked for a time, but then I would just continue on doing what it is that I wanted to do. There would be times I remember in the past where I would let my struggles get the best of me. And then I would get up on stage at church as a youth pastor, and I would would tell the kids how they should save themselves from marriage and how they should maintain their purity, as if I had some sort of example in my life of what that should look like. I was just sort of wandering in this helpless space in this, like, void, and I didn't know what to do about it, and I was just dragging this pet sin along, just acting like it wasn't there and, you know, everybody thought it was just happy Zach on the surface and deep down I was really struggling with all this and, you know, just didn't really know what the heck to do about it. (laughs) It it really wasn't until Jared, about a year and a half ago, he put his number up on the screen at the gardens and he shared a little bit about his journey and it wasn't until then that things kind of opened my eyes to a different way of looking at this idea of this temptation and self-control and It was a good thing. I was also about to have a son. (laughs) And that really hit me. I never really had the chance, you know, I, I talked to my parents about it, but I never really had the chance to dig deep into, you know, any of this growing up. And I never had the birds or the bees conversation with my parents. And so I just really felt so strongly that I wanted to be the kind of dad for Luca that he could come to me about anything. Whatever it was, whatever life might throw at him, I'll tell him as soon as he can understand that I'm far from perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but I do want to be open and available, and he can come to me no matter what life throws at him, and we can talk it out, man to man. So it was this kind of perfect storm that God was putting together for me to uh, open this door in my life and give me this opportunity uh, to to come clean and to own my mistakes and my issues with self-control and. I'm so glad I walked through it. So backing up just a little bit, um, I was, again, just on this road of continuing to try to not do what it is that I shouldn't be doing, right? Rather than living into what it is that God wanted me to do. I'm sure some of you guys have heard this term, white-knuckling sin. Like, you're just trying to stop the habit and not do the thing that you don't want to do. Rather than, like, focusing on what it is God wants you to do and, like, trying to find that freedom. It's not. It's not just about stopping the habits. I, I just continue to find myself lying and hiding and feeding my own fleshly desires, rather than living in the light and being honest and open with the people around me. So after I texted Jared that Sunday morning, I remember it so vividly. Me and Rachel were sitting right by each other, and it was. I was game over in my heart already. I knew I needed some help. But Rachel, something along the line. She leans over and says something along the lines of. You're going to text him, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to text him. It's going to happen. So, so after I texted him, I ended up coming along with another uh, group of people, a bunch of men that have the same struggle with me. And every week we meet and we talk and we hang out and we share authentically our struggles and what it looks like to let God rewrite our stories for his glory. We help each other create the good habits of reading the word and slowing down when we're communicating with our wives, which is a good thing. We pray for one another, and we know that the hope we have in Jesus is what leads us to freedom. That honesty and that transparency is what has really done it for me. Admitting that I had an issue and allowing the people in my life, along with God and the Holy Spirit, to come into the situation and Help me change. (laughs) And I think that's really what God wants to do in a lot of our lives. He's looking for you to be open and honest and admit what you have going on when it comes to this idea of self-control. And give opportunity for people, our community, and the Holy Spirit to come in and to help rework the things that we have going on. It's required a lot of work and time and energy and tears and hard conversations, but it is good, and I do see Christ in all of it, and I see his fruit being cultivated in me each step of the way, and uh, I got a lot of road to cover still, but I'm, I'm hopeful that God is going to continue to do this in my life, and um, that's kind of what I think God wants to do here this morning with all of us, is have us open this place in our heart, and this opportunity for him to come in and Help us with this idea of self-control. If you need some prayer here in a little bit, we're going to have some of our leaders up here to pray with you guys and believe for what it is that God's doing in your life. Um, Also, you'll see some numbers up on the screens. Sometimes we just need a little bit of extra accountability in our lives to help us in this area of self-control. So if you're here today and maybe this is striking a chord within you, your heart's pumping, you're not really sure what's going on, but you feel like you need some extra help, I'm letting you know here today, standing before you, it's okay. I get it. I understand. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. It feels like it hurts. It's kind of wonky. You may be feeling awkward, but... It matters, it's important, and it does change your life. I chose the text Jared that day, and I'm glad I did, because it changed my life forever. This is a safe place this morning, and I believe that this is the next step for some of you guys. You're here thinking, Yeah, I've let I've dragged this pet sin along for way too long. I've been struggling with this issue or this addiction or this, you know, gossip thoughts that I have in my mind towards other people or this idea that I always need to keep up with the Joneses. You know, you've been having these things roll around in your mind for way too long. I think this is a step in the right direction for some of you guys this morning. I do want to say that this is not a message about sexual immorality. This is just a place in my life where God has used uh, this idea of self-control and helped me harness that to the best of my abilities with his, the Holy Spirit's help. So this, this whole idea could look very different for you guys. It goes for all the areas of temptation in life, and it goes for all the areas of living into what it is that God has called us to do as well. It's true for all the things that we've talked about today. It's true for the whole list of the things of the flesh in Galatians. It's true for the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the eyes, and for the pride of life. It's true for overeating, for gossip, for sexual immorality, for jealousy, selfishness, comparison, and just overall control. It's true for all of it. So you guys can text us for anything. You can text me for anything. I don't know about Jared and Rachel. I'm not going to speak for them. No, you can, you can text them too. But it's across the board. Anything goes. It's all good. Another definition that I ran across as I was putting this together for self-control was this idea of being a master of one's life. The master is the one that we surrender our lives to, right? We're not the masters. It's not us. God is the master of our lives. But how beautiful is it that we get to work together alongside him in tandem to help work out this whole idea of self-control. It's a pretty beautiful thing. So keep these things in mind as we get ready to respond uh, this morning. And uh, before we do that, I just want to pray for us. And then... We'll get into this opportunity. So would you guys stand with me? And remember, we'll have people up here that will be willing to pray with you, and you can text any one of us. Guys, please text me or Jared. Ladies, please text Rachel. Some of these things can be a little sensitive, so we want to make sure that we're mindful of that um, as we go on here with responding this morning. But other than that, I just think God wants to unlock something in some of us this morning and he wants to give us those opportunities to come forward and be honest and truthful and transparent um, with what it is that you need help with in your life. So I just want to pray and then you'll see some leaders up here and then in a little bit we'll have the opportunity to take communion, that's in the back, um, but we'll do that here in a little bit and so yeah, we're just going to kind of let the Lord do what he wants to do for a moment here. Um, So if you need to respond in any one of those ways, you can do so. And, uh, yeah, let me just pray for you guys. Yeah, God, we're grateful that you showed up this morning. We're grateful that you have enough self-control for all of us. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to white-knuckle sin, Lord. We don't have to just try harder. But we get to surrender to the Master our souls, the one who paid it all, the one who has all the control, and, yeah, the one who created us to begin with. So, Lord, just come in. I pray for, yeah, open hearts and open minds. This is not a, yeah, not a place where people need to feel afraid. It's heavy stuff, but it's worth it. Help us see that this morning, Holy Spirit. Yeah, guide us, Lord. mm